Hello, and welcome to the Middle East Forum Speaker Webinar Series. I'm Stacey McKenna, and I will be moderating this discussion. Today, we have our Islamism and Politics Coordinator, Mr. Benjamin Baird, here to speak on Islamism in American politics, the 2020 elections. Mr. Baird will speak for roughly five to 10 minutes on the topic, then open it up for questions. Should you wish to ask a question, please use the Q&A box located at the bottom of your screen to submit a question at any time. We have many participants on this webinar, so I apologize in advance if we do not get to yours today. And now I'm happy to turn the discussion over to Mr. Benjamin Baird. Thank you, Stacy. Uh, yes, so the topic today is Islamist political organizing in the 2020 elections. Uh, Islamists have become incredibly organized in recent years, especially since the 2016 elections, uh, when they saw President Donald Trump's policies, especially when you look at immigration and foreign policy, uh, as a direct challenge to their agenda. Uh, now, Islamists many years ago used to, at least a small minority, used to look at voting within America's democratic institutions as uh, problematic, as something to be uh, avoided, the, the corrupt Western uh, system that is, that was part of their anti-Westernism. Today, however, we're seeing the exact opposite, where Islamists are referring to uh, democratic participation as a somewhat of a religious obligation where they must get involved uh, if they wanna be good Muslims. Now, it's important very briefly to point out that Islamists are a minority uh, among uh, Muslim, Muslims, Muslim Americans, essentially. Uh, they, are, they make up a small part. They believe in a the theocratic vision for America. Um, they believe that the religion should dominate all facets of, of life, the social, the political. Um, and they tend to dominate the political sphere uh, for several reasons. Secular and moderate Muslims don't tend to be as politically active as Islamists. So uh, many Muslims tend to look towards Islamists when it comes to uh, when it comes to political issues. So we're seeing uh, Islamists active on several fronts. For instance, the Council on American Islamic Relations, uh, which is a, the, an unindicted co-conspirator in the nation's largest terrorism finance trial. They've been blacklisted by several government agencies. Uh, CARE has started a, uh, an election strategy which calls for raising $1.4 million uh, to train 200 Muslim candidates, which essentially consists of political grooming. They want to groom Muslim candidates to push their agenda. Uh, and then they uh, also want to increase Muslim registration and voter turnout by 20%. Uh, Muslims are already voting at slightly above the nation's average, but they want to increase that to somewhere up around 90%. Uh, Muslims tend to vote overwhelmingly Democrat. Uh, you have three quarters of, of Muslims voting Democrats, the other quarter uh, voting Republican or, or Independent. So they want to take that voting block and uh, put it into a cohesive, uh, cohesive solid uh, Muslim front that they plan on using in several ways. Um, one of these ways is to push an agenda. Uh, another part of their plan is to come up with a policy platform for all Muslims, which of course looks at Muslims uh, as, as sort of a monolith. Um, but, but what do Islamists want out of a voting platform? Uh, number one, they want to demonize Israel, of course. Uh, they also want to use 
identity politics as sort of the political currency to push all their other uh, issues of importance. Um, you know, of course, uh, they, they also uh, look at a number of progressive issues that they sort of get, give a, put an Islamist spin on, uh, which again has to do with identity politics. Um, so, and care isn't alone, of course, in this, uh, in this organizing. Um, they're also joined by organizations such as M-Gage, uh, the Muslim Public Affairs Council, uh, and many other organizations which have uh, joined them on this front. The M-Gage, for instance, has put a million dollars towards trying to increase uh, voter turnout among Muslims. And then there's another front which we're just seeing, uh, which sees Muslim organizations which are tied to foreign interests become politically active. This includes groups like the Turkish Heritage Organization uh, or the National Iranian American Council. These groups actually support foreign interests. And uh, what we're seeing from them uh, is they're organizing, they're putting out, for instance, candidate scorecards that evaluate candidates based on how well they support a foreign regime. For instance, uh, NIAC, uh, the Iranian group, will uh, evaluate candidates based on how well they support the uh, JCPOA, the Iran nuclear deal, or uh, whether or not they've stood up against sanctions, whether or not they wanna take away the president's war powers. Um, and so they sort of communicate all of these back to their voter base and attempt to get them to vote in a certain way. Uh, we're also seeing this from the Turkish Heritage Organization, uh, which was a group that was founded to appear to be a civil uh, society organization, but in fact, emails show that this was a very uh, deliberate plan to infiltrate American politics. Um, finally, I think it's worth talking about the presidential election, the upcoming 2020 election. You're, you're seeing Islamist support by and large Bernie Sanders. Um, they support him for several reasons, some of the aforementioned reasons, uh, but uh, Bernie Sanders, for instance, has uh, talked about taking uh, taking foreign aid away from Israel or making it dependent upon uh, how they how they interact with uh, Hamas, uh, which essentially runs Gaza, um, and they uh, in addition, uh, you know, they support Bernie Sanders because uh, of his socialism. For instance, you're seeing that many uh, Muslims are. Uh, supporting uh, Islamists, many Islamists are supporting Bernie Sanders because of his uh, socialist ideals. There are theological, there's theological backing for this. For instance, uh, you'll see that um, zakat, the way of the Muslim tithing, they look at within a uh, purely socialist lens. So this is what we're seeing from Islamists ahead of the 2020 elections, and they've been very active on several fronts. Thank you so much for enlightening us all. We have quite a few questions coming in. First one is, can, should, and how can anti-sedition laws best be applied to Islamist participation in American elections? Sure, so anti-sedition laws. I know that, for instance, uh, there was talk many years ago 
of uh, there were laws on the books that looked at outlawing the Communist Party, for instance. Uh, there, there are ways, I think, to reform uh, bills. Now, that law never went into action, of course. Uh, it was challenged at the Supreme Court. Uh, but I think there are ways of using something like that to tie Islamist organizations to their uh, sort of foreign ideological roots, whether that might be the Muslim Brotherhood or in the case of groups like the Islamic Circle of North America, that might be Jamaati Islami. Uh, but in either case, I think it, once you can make that connection to foreign groups which are tied to terrorist organizations, uh, I think that you you can use anti-sedition laws to to outlaw some of these organizations. Now, not all of them are created equal. Uh, I don't think that the right answer is to make a blanket law that makes any uh, Islamist organization tied to the Muslim Brotherhood uh, illegal in the United States. Uh, but we certainly need to look at uh, evaluating these organizations one at a time to determine um, how close and how overt, overt these connections are and thinking about using anti-sedition laws to outlaw them, yes. Thank you. We have another one here. How do we counter the anti-Semitic, anti-Israel efforts of the Islamist in America? Hmm. Well, that's a great question. You have to do so, I think, uh, on many fronts. I think you need to point out that uh, that this isn't anti-Israel uh, policies that they're pushing. This is anti-Semitism in another form. Uh, they're simply pushing policies that are anti-Semitic at their core. You need only look at uh, the statements that these groups make. Uh, the, the clerics that they support uh, to, and, the, and of course their overseas connections to terrorist groups to know that they are not anti-Israel, they are anti-Semitic. So I think communicating this to lawmakers is very, very important. Uh, you know, and that's, that's the challenge is many Islamists uh, can be confused with progressives, you know, progressives wearing a hijab in the case of lawmakers like Ilhan Omar. Um, but you need to, we need to distinguish them from the progressive party, I think, from the Democratic Party, and show that this is a difference. This is, these are fringe policies that they're pushing. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think we need to make that clear to, to lawmakers and the public. Great. Are there other organizations or think tanks that are exploring this area of political activity? Uh, yeah, there, there most definitely are. The Center for Security Policy has been working at the state and uh, federal level for many years, but to be honest, there isn't much of a push. Uh, many people who take on uh, Islamism take on take it on from a on a social level, uh, you know, keeping Islamism out of schools. Uh, but Islamism is inherently political. Uh, it is theocratic. It seeks to replace America's democratic institutions uh, with Islamic law. So therefore, uh, you know, we need to look at this as a purely political uh, challenge. And until we do so, uh, you know, Islamists are gonna continue to be legitimized. Um, and, you know, I think uh, that there are other organizations looking at this, but uh, the Middle East Forum, I think, is one of the few organizations out there taking on Islamism at the local and state level through several initiatives. Um, for instance, the Counter-Islamist Grid 
uh, uses activists in several states to take on Islamism at the local level. Uh, and of course, the Islamism, Islamism in Politics project uh, also tends to emphasize quite a bit at the state level, um, especially when it comes to uh, Muslim advocacy days at uh, state legislatures across the country. These are lobbying efforts by Islamists to uh, work at the state level to get uh, state lawmakers to back their agenda. Um, you know, many Americans ignore state government, and uh, I think Islamists have sort of fallen into this niche and said, hey, we're going to take advantage of every level of government that we can. Uh, and they've been highly successful at this in state capitals across the country. So, uh, you know, there are other think tanks working on this, but there's not enough. Thank you. So you mentioned that 200 Muslim candidates in the uh, 2020 elections. What's the strata between these candidates? How many at the local, state, and national levels are there? Sure. Uh, most of these are at the state and local level. Um, and again, that comes from Islamists really wanting to fill that gap. Um, and, you know, they are at the state level right now, but I'd like to look at this as the beginning of a long evolution. Um, you know, right now, Islamists are grooming candidates to run in local elections, but in the future, these candidates are going to gain experience, they're going to gain political clout, and there we're going to see in the next decade or so, them increasingly take on uh, more important federal uh, judgeships, uh, more important elections uh, across the country. Um, so, yeah, the vast majority of these are local candidates. Uh, we saw this, for instance, with Abrar Omayish, who ran for the Fairfax County School Board in 2019. Um, these are school board commissions. These are uh, board of elections. These are uh, commissions. These are city council seats. Um, there, there's even uh, county judgeships that you're seeing Islamists run in. Um, so they're becoming increasingly active and they're starting at the local level, but I think we'll see that change over time. Thank you. So a listener posits that a long-term key to solving this issue is decoupling Islamists from progressive causes and exposing, exposing Islamism's retrograde core. What opposes those same causes and how do we do that? Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, I think uh, that is a very great point that we do need to, to separate Islamists from the progressive party. Um, I think in many cases, this isn't always an honest alliance from Islamists. You have Ibrahim Samira, who uh, pointed to the Prophet Muhammad when he said Muhammad made alliances with his enemies all the time uh, when it was politically expedient. So we need to point out to progressives that, look, in many cases, uh, this is political expediency. This is not about them truly believing in your progressive cause. Uh, you know, they may believe in uh, many of the foreign policy issues that the prog that progressives push, uh, but at their core, when it comes to issues uh, like gay marriage, when it comes to abortion, um, Islamists aren't on the side same side in many cases uh, as as uh as the as progressives and uh i think pointing this out uh and making it clear and then finding conservatives to ally with with muslims with non-islamist muslims uh is a way to sort of fracture that relationship 
And also, you know, um, we need to sort of highlight the differences among Islamists. There are Islamists fighting all the time about what is right uh, for the future of Muslims in America. And we're increasingly seeing many Islamists reject progressives uh, and, and for the reasons that I stated. And I think uh, we also need to highlight those divisions uh, in order to sort of extricate Islamists from the progressive movement. Thank you very much. And unfortunately, we've run out of time, but we have one last question. Can you please discuss a little further how to strategize countering these efforts without being labeled or targeted as being anti-Islamic? Ah, that's a very good question. Um, well, I think we need to definitely distinguish between Islamists and Muslims. I think that's always important to make that clear. Um, whenever I speak to lawmakers, whenever I speak to activists, I always make that clear from the very beginning. Uh, you need to define that this is an Islamist problem, not a Muslim problem. Um, we need to not ignore state and local issues. Uh, this is nationwide. Islamists are in every community. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a multi-front effort. And uh, I think that making it incredibly clear that we side with Muslims, with the, Muslim, with the moderate Muslim majority, uh, that is ultimately the way to win this battle. Thank you so much for your time in discussing all this today. We have come to the close of our webinar. There will be a short survey to fill out at the end to better help us serve you going forward. We'll also be sending out an invitation to our upcoming events, including a webinar on Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern with our Islamist Watch Director, Mr. Sam Westrop, our weekly Israel Insider webinar series with Ashley Perry, and a webinar on Friday on uncovering terror funding and foreign aid, the Islamist Islamic Relief Agency scandal. Thank you again for joining us and I hope you have a wonderful day.